We finally got to the end of session 16. It's been a long one. So this is part four and we're done with this. Today, we're going to talk about synchronicities, life in four density and their conditions there, and also daydreaming. Let's start. content that we're going to start with in this video is part of the book five that came out in the 90s after the original four books came out and it's all personal stuff now i try not to include some of the personal stuff that they ask just because some of it i don't find it relevant for the uh, study of the law of one but this one in particular is about synchronicities so i think that's a topic if you are like me who uh, a lot of people are very interested. So um, like I said, I wanted to include it here just to start up this conversation because I find it fascinating uh, because there is a connection between the metaphysical and the physical reality and how it happens. And I wanna tell you a little bit more about my experience with synchronicities and hopefully you can share yours with me because I always love to hear about them. But I have some things that I wanna mention as well, which I think are pretty uh, practical for people understanding synchronicities um, by my experience and of course other people and what I've known. So without further ado, let's start with the first question that Don says. And he says, can you tell me of the silver flags that we have found sometimes on our faces or elsewhere? And Ross says, these of which you speak are a materialization of a subjectively oriented signpost indicating to one mind-body-spirit complex and no other a meaning of subjective nature. Don says, who creates the silver flecks? Are they real? Ross says, picture, if you will, the increasing potential for learned teaching. At some point, a sign will be given to indicate the appropriateness or importance of that learned teaching. The entity itself, in cooperation with the inner planes, creates whatever signpost is most understandable or noticeable to it. Don asks, you are saying that we ourselves then create these. Ra explains, entities consciously do not create these. The roots of mind complex, having touched in understanding intelligent infinity, create them. And I would say first, it's very important that Ra says that these are for no other than the person that gets the synchronicity. This is crucial because if you have seen synchronicities in your life, you would know that the impact, the emotion that you get from a synchronicity is not the same as when you tell somebody, even if that person, like in my case, could be Julie, um, who shares with me so much stuff she would never get the emotion that I got from knowing this, even if I, even if she knows everything about it, everything about me and uh, my process and whatnot. It really is meant for you to fully understand it and uh, and get the message. So synchronicities in general are just like Ra says, and I love that they put it this way. They are kind of like signs that you get in our reality here that uh, you can you can see and you can interpret yourself based on what you were thinking. Now, synchronicities can come in so many ways. Uh, for me, they usually come with numbers because that's what I'm fascinated with always. Since I was a kid, I've had 
a fascination with numbers and mathematics in general. So to me, it, it often shows in that way. Not all the time. Sometimes it's the usual tele uh, telepathy uh, that happens, you know, when you're thinking about somebody and just, you know, somebody texts you or calls you or, you know, just things like that. I mean, there are so many times of synchronicities and, um, you know, the crucial point is being that. Now, what Ra explains is that it's actually ourselves who create them in a way, but not our physical self, but rather uh, the um, uh, our, our higher self sort of kind of it's what I get that in uh, combination with our own experience because of what we're doing touches, you know, intelligent infinity, which is actually what causes the, in the synchronicity as a signpost to tell us that we're on the right path. And I'll give you one example of what happened to me uh, about a year ago, it's been a little bit more than a year, but I, I was offered a job at the time where I was working as a personal trainer and I was um, just making very uh, minimal wage and I really needed the money and I was offered over three times the amount that I was making and that would have solved my, uh, my economic problems for sure. But because I was so geared towards this path at that time when I wanted to make content like this and, and other stuff, I was basically going to give up this type of uh, work that I'm doing now for that just to have financial security. But I was conflicted about it. And without getting into the details, I got showered with synchronicities that day that were basically telling me all the time you're making the right decision by rejecting the offer. This happened in a way, like I said, I probably describe it in another video or somewhere else because it was fascinating the way it happened. Uh, but it was constantly, the whole day, every time I would think about something, I would get a synchronicity. Basically, just it was like an alarm sign telling me, you know, don't, don't take it. Just keep going with what you're doing. And I tell you, I, I was going to do it for the money, not actually for the job. And I am so much better, you know, doing this kind of stuff right now, which makes me feel even more satisfied. So anyhow, we've taken a lot of uh, time just talking about synchronicities. To me, they're fascinating. If they are for you, leave me a comment. Tell me if you had any sort of synchronicity because I love to hear about it. Even if I don't understand, like I said, you know what it really means to you, but I love hearing about it. So. Let's go on with the rest of the session and the next questions that we have. Thank you. Is it possible for you to give a small description of the conditions in fourth density? Process. We ask you to consider, as we speak, that there are no words for positively describing fourth density. We can only explain what is not and approximate what is. Beyond fourth density, our ability grows more limited still until we become without words. That which fourth density is not. It is not of words, unless chosen. It is not of heavy chemical vehicles for body complex activities. It is not of disharmony within self. It is not of disharmony within peoples. It is not within limits of possibility to cause disharmony in any way. Okay, I'm gonna make pauses as we go through this so I can give you my impression of what this means and what I know about fourth density. So the first thing is that it's not of words unless chosen. Uh, words are meaningless in a way that we have telepathy and words are a very rudimentary way of communicating. So that's, you know, pretty simple. It is not of heavy chemical vehicles for body complex activities, which means that our bodies are not this 
dense in the sense that there is uh, a very compact chemical vehicle that we inhabit here. It's a lighter body, let's put it that way, for just regular activities. Um, or for what the, it says, body complex activities is the physical activities. Remember, in four density, there's a lot of thoughts activity, which is just um, us moving into communication and using thought forms, as, uh, again, as a way of interacting and communicating not only with other people in the environment, but also the, um, the, cos the cosmos in general. So that's a big one there. It is not of disharmony within self. We are pretty much harmonized there. Uh, it is not hard disharmony within people, and it is not within limits of possibility to cause disharmony in any way because we are basically in a state of harmony, complete harmony. Uh, there, I'm sure there are some, you know, disharmonies here and there that we can, we're going to see that I infer from the content here, but hope that makes sense. Let's go on with the next part. It says, approximations of positive statements. It is a plane of a type of bipedal vehicle, which is much denser and more full of life. It is a plane wherein one is aware of the thoughts of other selves. It is a plane where one is aware of the vibrations of other selves. It is a plane of compassion and understanding of the sorrows of third density. It is a plane striving towards wisdom or light. It is a plane wherein individual differences are pronounced, although automatically harmonized by group consensus. Okay, so here, simple. Uh, it is a plane of type of bipedal uh, vehicle, which is more denser than fold of life. In the sense of density, they are talking about uh, just light and um, love and understanding and everything that makes actually the uh, the body complex that I understand seems to be in four density. It's bipedal because we still have a physical body that moves just like we move here, but it's it's lighter and it's taller. I've uh, I've heard, and um, that's basically you know the type of body that we have. It is a plane wherein one is aware of the thoughts of other self. This we know, we've talked about, that it's very clear, crystal clear, who we are and what we are for uh, the social um, you know, complex that we form. And as we, we progress to the social memory complex, we need to be transparent with each other. It's just the way it is. It's almost like seeing the physical body of somebody else when you are talking to them here in third density. They cannot just you know, disappear or be invisible. You have to see them. So that's a prerequisite, let's put it that way, of four density. It's a pleasant, uh, plane of compassion and understanding. This is something that we know about third density. We are very compassionate and um, loving and understanding of the people in third density, of course. That's why there's a lot of healing happening to the entities that graduate to four density. It's This is just my understanding that when they get to four density, there's a lot of healing that needs to happen that comes from third density. So uh, that's what I get from that. And it is a plane striving towards wisdom or light because we are moving to fifth density. So just like here, we're moving or seeking, you know, love and understanding, which is part of fourth density. In fourth density, we're seeking light and wisdom, which is part of fifth density. So we have that um, consciousness. And this is a good question that people ask me about 5D because there's a lot of, I said five out of four. 5D, I'm good with numbers. I said that, right? <laughs> so 5D is a misconception, but it's a good re there's a reason why I say 4, because that's the misconception. The ascension process is to 4D, 4 density, as we know in the law of one. But there's a 
pop culture coming out a lot, and I see it, you know, within uh, fairly, uh, I would say, knowledgeable people that talk about 5D, the 5D awakening, and the 5D consciousness, and all this stuff. To me, the misconception is not on the people talking about 5D itself, mostly about the understanding that 4D needs a 5D consciousness, just like 3D here needs a 4D consciousness to go you know, to go about our business. We're not supposed to get stuck in third density consciousness. That's the idea. We need to progress into a fourth density. So that's why for me, it says that it's a plane striving towards wisdom or light, which is fifth density. Uh, I hope they clarified that because I get that question a lot. What, is it 5D or 4D that we're moving towards? And um, that's, that's my explanation. I think it means both. We're going to 4D physical or experiential, but we're going to harvest and collect 5D consciousness or simply grow that 5D consciousness. Anyhow, um, that's it. And although automatically harmonized, this is the last part that I wanted to get into where it says, it is a plane where an individual differences are pronounced. So there are differences between us. It's just that we automatically harmonize it by group consensus. Remember, if we have a clear vision of who the person is and there is a difference within them, then we harmonize it because we understand that entity and there is simply no way to disharmonize this um this plane of existence hope that makes sense i love talking about 4d and if it doesn't just again leave me a comment there and we'll talk about it next question is could you define the word density as we have been using it to give us a little greater idea of the concept of this term when used by you Ross says, the term density is a, what you would call, mathematical one. The closest analogy is that of music, whereby after seven notes on your Western type of scale, if you will, the eighth note begins a new octave. Within your great octave of existence, which we share with you, there are seven octaves of, or densities. Within each density, there are seven subdensities. Within each subdensity, seven sub-subdensities, and so on indefinitely or infinitely rather uh, so um, this we've talked about it's the densities of consciousness we know that the universe has seven densities of consciousness where we move through for experiences now one thing I want to clarify here because uh, for people understanding this they think it's a hierarchical system and it's not it's just different layers where you can go um, there is no higher, which means more. And this is a huge problem that we get here in third density when trying to understand higher density beings, higher density or higher dimensional beings doesn't really mean that they're more than us. They are the same as we are. And this is something that obviously those positively oriented entities want to tell us. They want to basically tell us like easy you know like this is the, we are the same don't consider us as gods but our primitive nature of course in third density through or because of the veil that we have or uh, between metaphysical and physical uh, planes then we tend to regard them as gods that's why positive entities barely have touched this earth in ways that can break free will if the social um, uh, complex the the civilization is uh, it's sensitive to see other entities who have powers or other powers as gods so that's a big one 
Anyhow, so in those densities that we move through, those are the densities of consciousness that we have. But within those densities, so say third density here, there are seven subdensities. We know this sub, uh, seven subdensities because they relate to the seven uh, energy centers or chakras as we know them, because those are the seven subdensities. We inhabit those seven subdensities of third density. Within each subdensity, there are seven subdensities. So within the heart chakra and the root chakra and the throat chakra, there are seven subdensities. And then there is seven, 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 all the way infinitely. And that's what it means. We're going to get a little bit into what this means in uh, at the end of the video, where we talk about the astral planes and stuff like that. So let's go on. Don't ask. I understand that each density has seven subdensities, which again have seven subdensities and so on. This is expanding at a really large rate as each is increased by powers of seven. Does this mean that in any density level, anything that you can think of is happening? Process, from your confusion, we select the concept with which you struggle, that being infinite opportunity. You may consider any possibility probability complex as having an existence. Okay, so uh, this is just on the idea that on each uh, density, there is some sort of experience happening and because it's infinite. This is what I gather from what Ra says and the question Don asked, which is kind of confusing. It's a little, you know, mind twisting that everything is happening in just one density, but that's just the nature of infinity. Um, I really don't know how to delve deeper into that, but other than knowing that everything is happening at the same time uh, everywhere in the universe. It's just we are collapsing that wave function, as you would call it, you know, in quantum physics to create the reality that we're living right now. So it's kind of like in an illusion within the infinity or the infinite amount of possibilities. And that's why this experience is so cool, because we live in a third density or even fourth and fifth. We're interacting in those where our creators um, us being the creators, of course, or an iteration of it. Anyhow, I know this is mind twisting. It is for me. And uh, I also made a notation there because because of the length of the session, Don actually asked uh, in question 52, if Carla was fine, you know, asking about the instrument, it was a very long session, as you can see. So that was the question. I didn't include it here. And question 53 was that. So uh, we can move on to the next. We have a lot to cover still. There you go. Don asks, does what we do when we think of possibilities that occur, say daydreaming, do these become real in these densities? Question is poorly written, I think. <laughs> Ra says, this depends upon the nature of daydreaming. This is a large subject. Perhaps the simplest thing we can say is that is the daydream, as you call it, is one which attracts the self. This then becomes reality to self. If it is contemplative general daydream, this may enter the infinity of possibility probability complexes and occur elsewhere, having no particular attachment to the energy fields of the creator. Don asks, to make this a little more clear, if I were to daydream strongly about building a ship, would this occur in one of these other densities? Ra says, this would, would have or shall occur. Don continues. And then if, say, an entity daydreams strongly about battling, let us say another entity, would this occur? Ross says, 
In this case, the entity's fantasy concerns the self and other self. This binds the thought form to the possibility-probability complex connected with the self, which is the creator of this thought form. This then would increase the possibility-probability of bringing this into third density occurrence. Now, this makes sense as Don is asking about the infinite possibilities and how we think, because when we think, we create thought forms and we feed them, we, um, we kind of empower them. So the first question was about asking, you know, how does this, you know, uh, happen? Or the first couple of questions was about how it happens. And Ross says, basically, if you create a thought that is um, just a random contemplation, then it's just, let's, let's say, an independent creation. It just goes out into the... Um, I would say the box of possibility probabilities that Ross says that may happen because they are not attached to space-time um, for my understanding they kind of exist in time space which is just the possibility of happening and then it just it's there and because that's why it says it would would have or uh, had happened in the past because they're talking about uh, time in general your thoughts can affect time maybe not the time that we live here this timeline but other timelines so that's what, why it's very important to have, you know, some sort of consciousness about our ability of create, of creating these uh, this realities. Very important. This also attaches to people who are creative and that write, say, books or plays or uh, some sort of just visualization of a, a creation in general. Uh, like we know, you know, if you're a nerd like me, of course, you know, of the Lord of the Rings and, you know, other uh, epic fantasies. To me, there are universes that have been created, you know, and they exist somewhere in the, um, the universe in the different planes of existence. So really cool to know that. But the other thing is when you are in the thought created in the reality that you're creating in your mind, then that means that you are attached to that, which means that the possibility of that happening somehow, and it's not just what you thought, is also very likely, but now you're attached to it. The, th the fact that you think about other people not necessarily means that you're going to attach that person to you. It might, but it doesn't necessarily happen. So say, um, uh, in this case, uh, if, if it's in, say, you have a negative thought about somebody, and you have a sort of, you know, um, sort of argument with that person, that energy that you're creating, that argument, that, um, that problem that you are dealing with in that imagination may happen to you very likely. This goes into the law of attraction and a lot of stuff, which, you know, I don't want to get into because I don't want to make the video too long, but uh, it also makes sense in this uh, line of thinking that when you think about something and have emotions attached to it, then you are creating basically the structure by which you will manifest that reality. Now, just to leave this here, it is easier and it's basically just our purpose to manifest the reality that we came here programmed to have because of our higher self. Because of our free will, of course, we can create different realities and manifest things in our lives. 
sure, you know, we have that power, but it's much easier to create the one reality that we came here to experience and of course to contribute at this time and space. So very important to when you manifest something or when you're trying to manifest here anything about your life that you want, be open, be an allowance to uh, uh, just receive something that you need rather than what you want. This goes into plant medicine, psychedelics in general, that again, I'm, I think it's completely out of the, uh, the topic that we're discussing here, but just want to leave that little piece of information that I've been seeing in myself and other people. So um, just in, in the concept of manifestation, it's important to keep that in mind. Um, so be careful what you wish for, I guess. <laughs> Let's go on. Don asks, does the Orion group use this principle to create conditions brought about to suit their purpose? Ross says, we will answer more specifically than the question. The Orion group uses daydreams of hostile or other negative vibratory natures to feedback or strengthen these thought forms. Of course, the Orion group, as like I said before, positive entities or higher dimensional entities, positive ones, they want to avoid that interaction and breaking free will uh, with here, with us, where negative ones, they don't care. They do it as much as they can, as long as they don't lose pol polarization. That's what they're scared about, uh, of course. But um, in this context, of course, the Orion group is going to use daydreaming to enhance and create more disturbance into the negativity of their thought forms because they actually use them as well. And this is something that becomes obvious as as we go on and understand the astral planes and all this stuff. So let's go on. Don says, do they ever use any, shall I say, gratifications of the physical body to amplify such daydreams? Ross says, they are able to do this only when there is a strong ability on the part of the receiving mind-body-spirit complex towards the perception of thought forms. This could be termed an unusual characteristic, but has indeed been a method used by Orion entities. So really quick here, what comes to mind is that the Orion group uses more this um, this tool or this ability on people who are very sensitive to creating and strengthening thought forms. Now, um, I can just give you an example. I am probably not the best at this, and this is maybe self-judgment because I'm not really good at imagining and creating and visualizing and experiencing from my own uh, imagination, things like that. Whereas Julie actually is very powerful. She is very intuitive and has a lot of this. And she has had actually psychic attacks with these thought forms that have been manifested here. And they had leached her uh, her energy in ways that go beyond, you know, what we're talking about in this video. But um, just to reinforce that point, it's very important to know that people who are sensitive are very prone to attacks by the Orion group psychically to reinforce thought forms that are negative. And so if you are such person, I would advise you to try to transmute these thoughts because they're, they're not coming from you. They're coming from the environment that we have in the Orion group and also uh, lower astral plane entities that are also reinforcing this and it's uh, it's not the best for us, of course, and that's not what we want. So just keep that in mind if you are an intuitive and uh, empathic and very sensitive person when it comes to this. 
Don continues and says, The many wanderers coming to this planet now and in the recent past, are they subject to Orion thoughts? Ra explains, As we have said before, wanderers become completely the creature of third density in mind-body complex. There is just as much chance of such influence to a wanderer entity as to a mind-body-spirit complex of this planetary sphere. The only difference occurs in the spirit complex which, if it wishes, has an armor of light, if you will, which enables it to recognize more clearly that which is not as it would appropriately be desired by the mind-body-spirit complex. This is not more than a bias and cannot be called an understanding. Alright, this is going to be one of the last ones that we're going to go really deep into it, but I want to make some clarifications here, or just my interpretation of what I read. So. Wanderers simply become uh, as human as humanly possible. The only difference is in the spirit, because the spirit comes from elsewhere, and as a wanderer is, of course. And those recollections of memory within the roots of the mind, they kind of have an interaction with, or more like a reflection. It's not as, uh, this is more than a bias and can be called understanding because Wanderers do not come with an understanding of it, more of a bias. They are polarized, say, towards the positive. So they are a little bit more prone to be, you know, um, uh, rejected or not rejected, but reject negativity or reject things that otherwise would look wrong to them in the sense of their polarization, their past experience and stuff like that. They are more reactive in that sense. And that's what it means here. So... Um, that's what it means, you know, by the rest of the half of the answer. It's just that uh, wanderers are more sensitive in that regard. So it's a cool point to, to go into. Not that long, actually. But Rock continues and says, Furthermore, the wanderer is, in its own mind-body-spirit complex, less distorted towards the, shall we say, deviousness of third density, positive-negative confusions. Thus, it often does not recognize as easily as a more negative individual the negative nature of thoughts or beings. And this is what I was saying. I feel like the wanderer is a little bit more naive into the, uh, the negativity, say, projected by the Orion group in this case, as it would be somebody native here who is already uh, accustomed by the... Um, the memory complex that hasn't really, you know, materialized yet, but is part of the the social roots of the mind that is the planetary sphere. So, say it's like a database that we have here on planet Earth, and we are a little bit more uh, associated with the things that happen here in the Orion group and so on. Whereas a wanderer that comes here is a little bit more naive onto the mechanisms that we have here on planet Earth. This is why wanderers are so sensitive. This is why wanderers are so uh, vulnerable and they often are rejected outcasts rebels and they just feel like they don't fit here that is the reason why because they come from a different planet and that association with this planet becomes like very very hostile not to mention that planet earth is like a um it, it really is like an asylum <laughs> we have so many different entities from other planets who are repeating third destiny. We have people from Maldek, from Mars. I mean, it really is chaotic here, but that makes the beauty of planet Earth. I choose to love it as opposed to be scared about it. So um, 
there is just so, so much beauty in there. But again, I've extended more than I, I, I should have. And let's go on with the next and last questions. Where Don says, would then the Wanderers, as they incarnate here, be high priority targets, shall we say, of the Orion group? I think we all know the answer. This is correct. And then Don asks, and if a Wanderer were to be successfully infringed upon, shall I say, by the Orion group, what would happen to this Wanderer at the harvest? Ra explains, if the Wanderer entity demonstrated through action a negative orientation towards other selves, it would be, as we have said before, caught into the planetary vibration and, when harvested, possibly repeat again the master cycle of third density as a planetary entity. This shall be the last full question of this session, and of course it shall be the last question of this video. But going back to the answer that Ra says, is that, yeah, we have said this, a wanderer, just because they come from another density, another planet, they are still invested as full humans here. They are as susceptible, if not more, uh, than uh, other people who have been not only of this planet, but also possibly from the solar system. Um, so the, the the danger, let's just put it, I don't like to use the word danger, but the, the susceptibility for wanderers is as high as any other human. So it's very important that wanderers recall who they are, what they came here for, and start shining the way they should. So if you feel like you're a wanderer, which a lot of you, I would say, definitely are, because otherwise you wouldn't be looking into this material in this chaotic state of the world that we are. A wanderer like you then should be very aware of the possibility of just rediscovering who you are, knowing who you truly um, are in the sense of the purpose that you came here to accomplish. That is, and we've talked about this in previous sessions and videos, the ability to raise the vibration of this planet. Everybody needs it right now, and that's the purpose that you came here for. No matter what path you take, if you're a healer, if you're a communicator, if you are anything, creator, whatever it is, you know, you came here with your own talents to become that uh, unique vibration that you kind of harnessed in your planetary sphere at some point in your past uh, incarnations and who knows elsewhere. But all of that, you came here to bring it to planet Earth, and it's much needed right now. So without getting too deep into this, I just wish you, even if you're not a wanderer, to rediscover who you are, because in our core, we are all one with the infinite creator. And we came here to have a unique experience so we can transcend into the multiplicity or infinite uh, possibilities that we have in this universe to the creator and for the creator. So with that, I leave you. Finally, we're done with session 16. Session 17 is going to be three parts and it's going to be really, really cool. We're gonna talk about Jesus and other stuff that of course is fascinating to me. So with that, thank you again for watching. I love that you're enjoying these videos. Thank you for the comments, thank you for the love and I'll see you next week with session 17, part one.